Hey, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nathan Calderon, and I had a unique opportunity to record an interview with my mentor last night. And I'm super excited about this because I've been talking to him about doing a podcast and not necessarily me doing a podcast, but actually him doing a podcast. He heads up a leadership development organization that literally trains thousands of entrepreneurs worldwide. And I've seen him speak in front of live conferences, 15,000 plus people. And everyone's always just so moved and just rocked by the wisdom and the understanding that he has around principles on just living a life of victory in all areas of life. And so uh, I talked to him about doing um, doing a live interview with him. And if I could invite some people onto that call to hear from him, got amazing feedback from the call. I did record it. And so consider this maybe a soft launch or just kind of uh, wanted to put this out there to be able to get more people access to the principles that he shared last night. And also to get your feedback, I want to hear from others on, hey, is this someone that you would want to hear from on a regular basis to be able to learn from the principles and the wisdom that um, that he's accumulated over the years? And, and he has an incredible story. He and his wife have overcome a lot of different challenges in their life. Uh, and he's someone that truly lives out the principles that he teaches. And I think you'll be able to see that uh, with just the way that he speaks, the way that he communicates, and the understanding that he has around the human psyche and being able to uh, accelerate and amplify your life in different areas. So uh, the interview last night was centered around two main focuses. One, I wanted to hear his thoughts around how to craft a personal vision for your life. We're entering into a new decade, a new year. I think transformation is something that we all desire and seek, but oftentimes it's uh, we, we get in our own way. So, um, so the first topic was just around vision and being able to craft a vision for your life. And then the second piece was how do we get out of, out of our own way? Uh, we all have different limiting beliefs or uh, mental barriers that can be tough to break through. And so I asked Matt some questions around that. And it was an amazing, uh, amazing interview last night. I uh, got a lot of great feedback. So I wanted to put this out there uh, to share it and would love your feedback. So please give it a listen and let me know your thoughts. Thanks so much. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. We are going to be getting started here. And also, I just want to repeat that if you have any questions that you would like to submit throughout the call, you can text them to 651-353-2211. And again, we may not get to every question this evening, but please do send them in. And if they're relevant to the conversation, we'll definitely incorporate them into the interview. So, uh, so welcome again. And um, we're going to be getting started here. And as we dive in, I want to give a brief introduction to Matt Grotewald, who I'll be interviewing this evening. And I have actually had the opportunity to meet Matt a little over 10 years ago. It was at a seminar that he was speaking at. And in hearing him speak, I realized that he had a depth of wisdom beyond anyone that I had ever met. And not only that, he had achieved a level of financial success that less than 1% of Americans experience. So much so that to the point where he and his wife, Elena, were actually able to retire from traditional work in their late 20s and become millionaires in their early 30s. Now, uh, today, Matt is a founding board member of an international training and mentoring organization that literally trains tens of thousands of entrepreneurs across the world. 
And I've had the, uh, the privilege of getting to know Matt over the years, and I've actually gotten to see his life outside of the seminars and the speaking engagements. And uh, I can say and attest behind the doors, like, and, and seeing his, his life behind the speaking um, and the seminars that he does, that he has an amazing marriage of over 24 years, along with four kids that are incredibly respectful, peaceful, and accomplished. And not only that, but Matt and his wife, Elena, they have an established an amazing life for their family, but they also invest their time into teaching, training, and equipping families across the country with the principles that they've learned on how to live a life of intentionality and significance. So you're not only listening to someone that has achieved incredible success, but you're also listening to a man of character and integrity and someone that I just have a tremendous amount of respect for. So... That was intended to be a short introduction, but that's difficult to do. Uh, Matt, welcome to the call. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, Nathan. Am I coming in clear? Yeah, clear as day. Thanks for joining, Matt. Outstanding. Well, I better say something good after that introduction. <laughs> no pressure. Well, yeah, no, I, I have no, no question that it's going to be a lot of value. And now we actually have several people listening tonight that had the opportunity to hear from you a few weeks ago when you shared wisdom on the topic of vision. And okay. yeah, I, I received a lot of amazing feedback from that call. I know that there were like over a thousand people I think that called in um, and I hounded you about doing another one. So, so sincerely, thank you for your time and doing this. So, um, well, you know, yeah, we had, there were thousands of people that were out there and frankly, there were people that dialed in actually from 41 different states. It was wow. pretty neat. And, wow. you know, vision is one of these topics that um, has changed my life so much and really has shaped my family. And so I, we're really, my wife and I both are very passionate mm -hmm. about it. And, but I feel like that first call was because it was a monologue, a little bit different than tonight. Yep. Um, it was kind of like taking a sip from a fire hose. I totally. <laughs> yeah. People. So much information very quickly. So I think today's going to, or tonight's going to be a little bit more relaxed. Uh, uh, which, by the way, I want to tell everybody that I did ask Nathan tonight uh, for this to be more like he and I sitting across the table over a cup of coffee yep. because we've been friends for many years. I mean, even though uh, we we do some business together, most importantly, more importantly than that, we're also friends. Mm -hmm. And I do not know, for what it's worth, <laughs> I do not know the questions that he's going to ask me tonight. This was not free. This was, I told yep. him specifically, I don't want to know the questions. I just want to have a conversation and be honest. Which is, which is dangerous with me, Matt. I have the answers. Yeah, which which is really dangerous. I was I was thinking like boxers or briefs, things like you know, but no, we're different type of conversation tonight. So, uh, wonderful. <laughs> what wonderful. wonderful? Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate you so, sharing uh, that. And yeah. Charge. Well, and I guess with with that being the case, right? Like having it be a conversation, and like this is just kind of a one on one, you know. Uh, conversation that we're having, I really want to give you the freedom to not hold back on sharing your perspective, your worldview. And um, I just think it's, it's one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is how direct you are. Um, and, you know, feel free to, to share things that are on your heart, even if it's unconventional. So um, just want to give you that that freedom there. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Nathan. Yeah, you bet. So um, so yeah, so uh, you talked a lot about the importance of having a personal vision for your life in the last call. And if you could maybe start by giving a brief summary of that call a few weeks ago for those that weren't on it, but also just as review for those that were like, just the importance of vision. Why is that so important? How has that impacted you and, and your family? 
Well, you know, it's impacted my family and I for a number of different reasons. But, you know, when I first off, leadership was not necessarily my plan, right? Uh, how, how leadership is birthed for the majority of people out there is they see a problem and they try to fix it. And that, that's kind of where most divisions actually begin as well. It begins as something in your life that is bothering you or something that you're really emotional about changing. And so you take personal responsibility for it. And I know this is going to sound like a cliche statement, but your mess tends to be your ministry. Right. And that's, that's kind of the way it was for my wife and I. We're, we're all a product of our environment. And like for, for me, Nathan, a uh, little background on me, just so people can get to know me a little bit better. Um, and we'll, we'll unpack this in, in, in just a few different statements here. But, you know, I like Nathan mentioned, I've been married for 24 years now. Uh, my wife and I are more in love with each other today than we ever have been. We've got four incredible children, uh, three of which are adult children now. Uh, they range from 23 years old to 15 years old. And uh, we're just having a blast. Life is awesome. Uh, when my wife and I first got married, I brought to our marriage uh, some issues and she brought to our marriage some issues because and I know that you've probably heard the statement before that you are a product of your environment and culture plays a huge role in everything that we do. Uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about specifically because in many cases how we behave is not who we are. It's just how we behave. And one thing that I like to say to people and, and it just kind of gets them thinking is will we meet the real you before you die? And so in other words, there's more to you than what meets the eye, but it takes the right environment to pull that out of you. And that's, that's probably the, the number one thing that happened to me is I had to get into the right environment to unpack that vision. And number one, to even believe that I could accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. So on my mother's side, uh, and this will kind of explain culture. And Nathan, I know that you've heard this story before. I'm going to try to keep this as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, my mother grew up in Haiti. She grew up in the French colony of Haiti. And when she was seven years old, uh, they had to flee the country of Haiti. And they came to the United States of America. My, my grandfather was based over there as a Marine. Uh, my grandmother was born into a really wealthy family that was also very political. And when the government changed over there and a dictatorship came in, there was actually a political hit that was placed on my grandmother. Uh, her brother was murdered. And so she uh, naturally looked at her husband, my grandfather, and said, we need to get out of here. And so they packed up my mom, who was seven years old at the time, and they packed up everything they had in one suitcase. And they came to the United States of America with less than $200 in their pocket. They had nothing. And so my mother uh, grew up in an environment of fear. Uh, my grandmother was afraid to trust anybody here in the United States because she came from an environment where people were chasing after her. And my grandfather, he was an orphan. And in fact, um, you know, he was adopted when he was, when he was two years old, he was raised into a family until he was 13. And then that, the mother of that family, his adoptive mother actually got pregnant and brought him back to the orphanage and dropped him off when he was a teenager. Wow. And so he joined the Marines when he was 16 years old and went in the first wave in Iwo Jima, survived. That's an incredible story. But uh, long story short, so he had major trust issues and also had fear issues. So did my grandmother. So my mom grew up in a home where the mindset was, don't trust anybody. If people are going to help you, there has to be an agenda. Uh, fear was a large part of their life. Because they were, they were, they had this mentality of there isn't enough to go around, and that was birthed out of the mindset of they had to leave everything behind and start over. And so naturally, it put them into a posture of what I like to call living like a survivalist. 
And when you live like a survivalist and you have lack mentality, you automatically make all your choices through the lens of what's best for you. And you don't do it intentionally, you do it subconsciously. And so that's kind of the, the background that my mother brought to the table. Now, you're in, now, now watch this. My dad, his story is completely different. He grew up in Pleasantville, <laughs> right? Hmm. Where my grandparents had this uh, tremendous uh, marriage on my dad's side. My grandfather on my dad's side was, he was a pilot in World War II, uh, decorated. And then he went on to be the president of a, a bunch of different banks here locally in the metro. And they wow. had the country club membership. It was your prototypical American dream. And so, so my father grew up believing he could conquer anything that he set his mind to. And so naturally within the home that I grew up in, my dad would come home from work. And my mom was a full-time stay-at-home mom. My dad would come home from work and he would paint the dream for us and say, hey, you can take on the world. You know, shoot for the stars. And if you hit the moon, we're still progressing. But then he would go to work and my mom would say, I don't want you to cross the street because I'm afraid of what could happen to you. And don't you dare talk to anybody. And so she, there was this, this crisis of belief that was going on with me mm -hmm. early on. And so I brought that into my wife and I's marriage. And she brought a whole different story into, into, into her marriage. You know, she, came, she grew up in a broken family. Uh, her dad actually was running guns with the Hells Angels. And he went home to be with the Lord in his young 40s. He was a drug dealer mm -hmm. and a gun runner. And, uh, you know, her parents got divorced. And so long story short, my wife wow. now gets married to me. She doesn't trust anybody. She's living in fear. I'm living in fear, really with the mindset of there isn't enough to go around. I had lack, major lack mentality or broke mentality, if you will. And so that's kind of how we started our marriage. And, and here's the thing. We came to a place of decision when we were sick and tired of being sick and tired, Nathan. Hmm. And yeah. I looked at my life and I looked at my wife and I said, I do not want my children to grow up with a mindset of living like a survivalist. Mm. That isn't a life that's a prison. There's right. got to be a different way to do things. And fortunately, I was introduced to a gentleman named Ross Coleman. And this is when my life changed. You know, Ross brought me into a different culture. Mm. And as a result of being in a different culture, which was made up of people from all different cultures, I might add, all different races, all different ethnicities. And so when I talk about a different culture, I'm not talking about race, race or ethnicity or, or religious right. background. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about a culture of understanding success principles and understanding how to win. And so Ross brought us into that culture, but he started asking me questions that, frankly, most people had never asked me before. Like, he, here's one of them, Nathan. He said this. He said, Matt, who do you want to be three to five years from now? I'm like, wow, okay, never really been asked that question before. So for the first time, I started thinking about who I wanted to be as an individual. He said, how do you want to be living three to five years from now? But okay, another great question. And then he went on to say as well, uh, what do you want to be known for three to five years from now? Which is really uh, that last one, what do you want to be known for, is really an interdependence question. Because what I learned about myself up until that point is I was raised by my parents, just like everybody else is, and they're completely dependent. You're dependent on your family. And then at some point, your parents' objective, which I don't necessarily agree with this, your parents' objective is to create an environment where you can become independent and you can support yourself and you can leave the home. And this is where most people stop. They never move out of the realm of independence. And you may think that's good. Well, there's another level. It's called interdependence. We're all actually supposed to work together on something greater than our own lives. The challenge is if you have lack mindset and you're living like a survivalist and you don't have a vision, you're not interested in helping other people. You're just trying to make the house payment. Hmm. And that's not a life.
but again, my worldview, Nathan, and I appreciate you giving me some latitude. My worldview is that you are not on this earth to live, pay bills, and die. That's mm-hmm. not why people are here. Yep. I believe that people are here because they're actually supposed to bring something to this world that solves a major problem for humanity, and that we are actually supposed to work together, which I understand right. is hard for some people to wrap their mind around because their self-image can't handle that statement. They can't handle thinking that they are that important hmm. and that they matter that much, but the fact of the matter is you do. And that a lot of that has to do with what is your worldview? Where do you think you came from? You know, I, I'm a Christian. I don't hide that from anybody, and I'm not, I'm not trying to push my faith on anybody, but that's, that's the angle that I come from. And so naturally, my mindset is you can accomplish anything you set your mind to because there's greatness in you. Hmm. So anyway, with that being said, getting connected to Ross and him pulling me out of one culture into another, it started to change my perspective. And here's why. It's because it changed my worldview. See, Mm. here's the thing. Vision is birthed out of a sense of purpose. But if you have a confused identity, you have no idea what your purpose is. Because all vision is anyway is purpose in pictures. That's what vision is. And the challenge is, Vision becomes the GPS for your life. And so when you look at people that have money issues, time issues, um, or they're lazy, they have video gaming problems, they're on their phone, you know, eight hours a day, and, or whatever, you know, they're distracted, or maybe they're attracted to the wrong kinds of people. They can't handle their money, right? Whatever it is, you know, just pick, pick something. Yep. But when you look at that, what happens is most people try to address the symptom of the mm. problem instead of addressing the root. The root of those issues is they don't have a vision because what a vision allows you to do is it allows you to have a sense of priorities and understand that without a sense of priorities, we automatically abuse everything we do, everything we are, and everyone we surround ourselves with and everything we have possession of. Now, when I say abuse, I'm talking about misuse. Like here's an example of abuse, Nathan. Uh, That's like take a hammer. You know, a hammer has a very specific purpose to it, but I can also take that hammer and I can use it as a paperweight on my desk. Right. Yep. And I'm abusing that hammer by using that as a paperweight on my desk because that's not its original design. Right. And, and I think that's the part hmm. that confuses a lot of people. They try to find a vision without knowing their purpose hmm. and without having a clear sense of identity. They do it backwards. And this is one of the reasons they fail. And they confuse interest with vision. So your vision is not about serving you. Your vision is about serving something to humanity that solves a major issue. Desires serve you. Goals produce desires. Goals also birth vision. So, but as a result of having a vision, my wife and I were now able to figure out our finances. We had a lot of money problems in the beginning, but it was because we had no sense of priorities. You know, seriously, when we were tight on money, we were spending money at Starbucks and you know, caribou, we were going out to dinner because we were living in the moment, right? You know, let's be present all the time. And I'm all for that. I think you should enjoy the day. Absolutely. But you also need to have some sort of a course that's charted for you that sets everything into alignment. And a vision is what does that. You know, I found out that um, as soon as that vision launched in my life, and you know, of solving some issues in my life, which now we help other people solve similar issues, as soon as that, that vision was birthed, I now knew exactly who to spend my time with. Hmm. But I also knew who not to spend my time with. Here's the challenge. Some of the people that I had to limit my exposure to were, was, were parts of my family. 
And I'm not talking about my parents or my brothers or my sisters. I'm talking about people that were negative. Where every time I got around them, they tried to discredit what I was doing. And I never disconnected from my family. But what I did is I did limit the association for a season. And I also did get rid of some of the folks that I was spending time with that were detrimental to my marriage. You know, because I was hanging out with some single guys that wanted to party all the time and make foolish choices. And it wasn't good for my marriage, and it certainly wasn't good for our vision. And then I had to learn how to expand my network with some people that could help us advance our vision. And the problem is most people, they want to be happy more than they want to advance the vision. Hmm. But they don't understand that happiness is not about avoiding discomfort or change. Happiness is actually about growth. And so what, what the perception of happiness is actually wrong on how most people have it. And so, but as soon as you start growing, happiness comes out of that. And here's what I tell people, try it, see if you like it. Hmm. So, but as a result of that, that changed everything for my wife and I, being in that different environment. And as soon as we had that vision of, okay, we can fix the money problem permanently. And it's not even a money problem. It's really an identity problem. And it's a purpose problem. And it's a vision problem. And we got that identified and we went to work. But then we stayed connected with people that made us better. Think about this, Nathan. You've heard me say this before. Is If you're the smartest person in your group of friends, you need new friends. Mm, yep. And if, you're the wealthy, and if you're the wealthiest person in your group of friends, you need new friends. The challenge is we want to spend time with people that make us feel good, not with people that sharpen us. But here's the mm. thing, guys and ladies. If, if you really want to accomplish something great with your life, you're going to have to surround yourself with people that make you uncomfortable because their standards are so high. Standards raise belief and lower belief more than just about anything out there. And I've had personal experience with that, too. Mm. So, so anyway, Nathan, that's, that's kind of how my wife and I got started with our vision. It's like you have to understand culture and where you came from because everybody in every relationship we enter into, you bring your culture with it. Mm. Everybody does. That is so good, man. You unpacked a lot there, a lot of really good things. Uh, one of the things that there are several things that really stood out to me. <laughs> But you had uh, you'd shared about how both you and your wife, Elena, brought your culture into your marriage. But you, you talked about um, some past, like, past uh, experiences in terms of like, how you were brought up and the pain or trauma from you know, your parents' childhood and how that was transferred over to you. And you also talked about your subconscious mind. So how do you or like, how would you work through? Um, different limiting beliefs or like things that are subconscious that we're holding on to, right? That we want to move past and experience transformation. Like what, what's your, what are your thoughts on how to be able to move past those different things that we bring into um, that, that we're currently the reality that we're living out of that's based off of limiting beliefs. Yeah, great question, Nathan. So two parts to that. Number one, the reason people have limiting beliefs is because they have a confused identity. What they what they don't understand is how much they're worth. <clears throat> and again, the, the worldview that I have is that there was a one in 300 million chance that you were even conceived. I want you to think about that. I mean, there are 7.7 billion retinal patterns. Yours are one of a kind. And And all you have to do it's be in the room when a baby is born to realize it's a miracle. And so, but as soon as you understand that you bring value, that you're made in the image of something great, 
you know, again, I, I operate based on this statement, and this comes from the word that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. And, and I know this sounds cliche, what I'm going to tell you right now, but and we'll get back to the limiting beliefs thing here, too. Is I want you to picture Michelangelo as he, as he is carving, as he's carving David out of a block of granite, right? But when you look at the statue of David, it is spectacular. And uh, he considered all detail when he did that. But he looked at the block of marble or granite for days before he swung the hammer. Because when you're carving something out of marble or granite, it's a brittle substance. And literally every swing of that hammer that you make, you almost make it in fear. Think about that. Because you don't want to wreck the prize that's inside, the masterpiece that is waiting. And so that's what he did, right? And so he would swing that hammer very carefully, almost in fear every time, because he didn't want to alter the perfection that was inside. And then when it was done, he stood back in wonder at its creation. That's us. Hmm. And because I operate with that mindset, you know, that automatically lays a good foundation to not have limiting beliefs. Hmm. But anyway, with that being said, though, Let's go back to uh, the subconscious mind just for a minute. Yeah. This is a big deal. There's a lot of books that are written about this. And you know, I don't want to start giving book recommendations, but Nathan, you could certainly do that. So the word says this. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the word heart in Hebrew means subconscious mind. How you affect your, your subconscious mind is with repetition in your conscious mind. So in other words, it's what goes into your eye gate, it's what goes into your ear gate. It's what comes out of your mouth, and it's who you associate with, and it's what you subscribe to with your habitual patterns. That's ultimately what affects your subconscious. And here's what I tell people all the time is it, I have people that, that I talk to and I counsel and I mentor that, that believe that they had a vision before they met with me only to find out they didn't have a vision. They simply had interest hmm. because they because understand that whatever you feed on mentally, you hunger for physically. And so you can convince yourself of anything. I mean, if you and I sit here and talk long enough about sports cars, pretty soon you're going to want to go buy a Lamborghini Aventador. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's a good idea. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that it's a vision for you. I mean, you, you remember that story that I told about how I got my Dodge yes. bike for many years ago. <laughs> yes. and, and it's a crazy story, and I'm not going to go through it today. We don't have the time. But, but that all started with a conversation, which then led to meditation on Dodge Vipers. Now I'm looking at websites. One thing led to another, and literally in three weeks, it was in my driveway. And, and I looked at my wife as it showed up, and it was delivered to me, and I went, how did that happen? Well, it's the same way most people make their choices. In the heat of the moment, there's interest. And interest turns into desire because desire comes through repetition of thought. And the more you meditate on something, the more you need to have that something. And as soon as you understand the birthplace of desire, this is a very simple thing to adjust. And this is why you have to decide very carefully. What do you want to fix your mind on? I mean, think about this. Your brain is a convincer. Mm. That's what it is. Whatever you feed it, it will convince you to chase. Most people feed it entertainment, which, by the way, the word entertain means to surrender your mind to. I want you to think about that mm. next time you pick up the smartphone and you're looking at social media for an hour. That's or good. you're flipping through the TV and you're just looking at nonsense for an hour, hour and a half, or two hours. And so, again, it, it, my wife and I are very, very particular about what we put into our eye gate and our ear gate. You know, we speak our goals every day, right? And not crazy things, people that we, things that we actually believe. We're very, we're very mindful about who we choose to give our time to. We're very mindful about the things that we watch and the books that we read. So even when it comes to reading books, you are associating with that author. 
And before you get excited about what they teach, do you know their worldview? Because if you don't know their worldview, some of what they teach may actually lead you astray. Hmm. Most people don't pay attention to that. They get caught on catchphrases and go, this is an awesome statement. Well, that doesn't mean it's a true statement. You have to know the hmm. worldview. So let's, let's back up two steps just for a second, Nathan. I just want to want to point out the difference between a goal, a desire, and a vision, because this is really important right. when it comes to people's mental stability. Okay, if we can touch on that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a vision is about purpose and pictures, and it benefits other people. And yes, you're going to have fun pursuing it. A desire is something that affects your life in a very positive way. So in other words, a desire is something that increases pleasure and gets rid of pain. That desire may be, I want to be debt-free. That desire may be, you know what, my wife wants to be able to stay home with the kids, or maybe the husband wants to stay home with the kids. That desire may be, I need to help my parents. These are all good desires, but they are not vision. Okay, that desire may be, um, we need new furniture in our house. We need a safer car. We need a bigger home because it feels like the walls are closing in on us. It's important to have those desires, and you need to keep them in front of you all the time. But at the end of the day, those are not vision. And a goal is not a vision either. A goal is a right now thing. It's something that is in the moment that you're pursuing. But I want to be clear. It's something that you have 100% control over. See, when people abandon their desires and they abandon their vision, it's because they set goals wrong. They set goals based upon outcomes that are not in their control. So, for example, take sales, right? You know, if you're doing outside sales or inside, if you're doing inside sales and you've got to make 50 to 100 calls a day, I mean, Nathan, you've done this before. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, your goal should never be how many accounts am I going to close? And here's why. You don't have control over that. Now, even though the sales, excuse me, the sales department and the manager is going to hold your feet to the fire with that, but it can't be your goal. Otherwise, it's going to create stress, pressure, and anxiety. And I will tell you something, the majority of diseases out there that bring people down are induced by stress, pressure, and anxiety. And that's because people are focused on things that are outside of their control. So here's a statement, never forget this one. Whatever you choose to focus on always determines how you feel. And how you feel always determines what you do. So if you focus on the most positive outcome possible, it creates a different emotion than if you focus on what's potentially negative that could happen. But a lot of that comes down to how do you set your goals and who are you talking to? And when you have that stress, pressure, and anxiety welling up, it's typically because you're focused on things that are outside of your control, and there's a lot of unknowns there, and your mind tends to drift towards this could potentially be really negative, and all of a sudden that fear creeps in and that anxiety creeps in and you shut down. And this is when people turn to alcohol. This is when they turn to drugs, and they really get themselves into problems. So for me as a business owner, I can tell you that all the business goals that I have are based on activity and attitude only. And then here's what my mindset is. I'm going to kill the comfort zone every day with my objectives, and I'm going to learn from everything I do. My objective is to get better every day because you can control that, but you can't control what other people do. So we should never set goals based on outcomes that are outside of our control. We should only set goals based on outcomes or based on objectives that are 100% in our control. And so it's okay to put a date on a desire, but just be okay with moving that date if it doesn't 100% come together. Hmm. And where happiness is found is with continuity. Think about this. Commitment to continuity yields emotional stability. And that's a really powerful statement when you think about it. 
So commitment to continuity yielding emotional stability is all about being in line with goals that you can maintain and you know progress is happening because you're getting better. This is a big, big deal. And so if people would do that with their job, if they would do that with their traditional business, if sales reps would do that, they would be a lot more emotionally stable. And they would actually be excited about going to work every day because their mindset is, I just want to get better tomorrow. And that's how you measure progress. Most people don't know how to measure progress. They measure progress with outcomes that are out of their control, and that's what makes them unhappy. Hmm. You know, if we're really going to be honest, what most people want anyway, they don't it isn't necessarily more money that they want or even a bigger home or more things. They want more peace and they want mm. more joy. Yep. That's what they want. And they think more money or better things is going to give them that. And that's why they chase them. But the reality is you can have that right now based on what you choose to focus on. Mm. That is so good. So anyway, go ahead. That's just food for thought, you know, but if but most people, that's not their approach to life. Their approach to life is, Hey, my neighbor just bought a Mercedes. And he looks really happy. And so I need to go get a Mercedes, one better than him, because that's going to make me happy. And it doesn't make you happy, especially if you have to finance it or if you put your family in harm's way financially. It may bring short-term happiness and long-term pain. And that's where most people are. Hmm. That is so good, Matt. I, so you, you shared a couple of examples of desires as well as appropriate goal setting um, and also examples of what like a vision is not, um, what would be some examples of a vision or, and if you're, if you're okay sharing, like what, what is your vision? So my wife and I's vision is teaching people how to live in victory. And that's as clear as I can put it. And, and victory is, I know it's a broad, it's broad phraseology, right? Uh, victory has to do with their self image, uh, victory in identity, victory in relationships, victory financially, also victory with your legacy. You know, when I think of uh, what you pass on to your children, your inheritance, the inheritance you give your children has nothing to do with, with physical possession. It has to do with your system of values. Hmm. It has to do with your vision. It, it has to do with your legacy. And Nathan, you've heard me say this, and you're about to be a parent, that whatever problems you don't solve in your life, you forfeit the right to teach your children. Right. And that, that's a really powerful statement, and, but it's true. You know, I, I did, my parents did not know how to fix the money problem. And so I had to go find somebody that knew how to fix it. And they taught me through principles how to fix it. And then I went and taught it to my parents and I taught it to my siblings. Wisdom is, I should say this, applied wisdom is power. Hmm. Applied wisdom is power. And you don't want to chase knowledge. You want to chase wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Well, wisdom is the application of knowledge. Most people are a library because they move in fear, so they don't do anything. Hmm. They read books, listen to audios, watch podcasts, and they talk all the time, but they don't do much. And it's because they're trying to avoid failure. Hmm. But the reality is that's where the good stuff is. That's where the change happens. So good. So that's my wife and I's vision. And Nathan, I mean, you know that already, but I can yeah. talk about it for four hours. And But you know what? I didn't know what that vision was because my wife and I were just trying to fix our life issues. And after we applied those principles and we fixed our life issues, we looked at each other and said, we need to share what we've learned. We mm -hmm. owe it to people out there that are struggling with the same issues. We need to go share with them what we've learned. Mm -hmm. uh, let's, can we change gears just for yeah, one minute? I just absolutely. want to go down a lane because I know we're running out of time here and yeah. I, I want to make sure this matters. So 
I want, let's take this back to business just for a minute. You know, when you're looking at your career, right, we're, we're on the topic of solving problems right now. When you're looking at your career or your traditional business, understand that you get paid in direct correlation to the size of the problem you solve and also based on how many people can solve it. And when you understand that principle, you now know how to raise your income. You don't raise your income by working harder, even though there's an element of effort to it in discipline. You raise your income by becoming more valuable. So you need to look within the department that you work in or look at the traditional business that you have and ask yourself, what problem do I solve and how many people can solve it? So when you look at manual labor, that solves a problem. The challenge is many other people can solve it. Or when you look at Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Richard Branson, they solve really big problems that few people were solving at that level which is why they get paid so much. Look at athletes and entertainers, Nathan. Mm -hmm. The problem they solve is they solve the problem of unhappiness. Mm. Think about it. Mm. People pay money to be entertained so they can escape the way that they're currently living. That's why entertainers and athletes make the money that they make, because we want to be entertained because we're not satisfied with how we're currently living. Well, when you see people that are chasing a vision, they don't really go to sporting events because they don't care. They're too, they're, they're too caught up in living the adventure of their life. And that's a fact. Hmm. I'm not trying to step on people's toes, but it is a fact. Hmm. Here's where this hit me, okay? I want to tell you where this hit me. It's a good story. So I took my children, uh, two of my kids, Mason and Perla. I took them to go see John Mayer. You know, John Mayer, I think, is a great musician, incredible guitarist. And, I, and I'm sitting there in show number three of four sold-out shows. We're in show number three. It was at the Excel Energy Center. This is a few years ago. It's packed. You know, there's 19,000 people in there. It's packed out. And he's playing. And I, and I had this moment, and I look up on stage, and I go, why are people here? Why are they here? Well, they're here because a young man who was passionate about music, who provided an escape for him to create happiness, he became really good on the guitar, and he, here's what he did. He found out that he had some natural ability. He took that natural ability, and he fashioned that gift, if you want to call it that, into a workable skill that he then marketed to the world. Nobody was there because they wanted to see John Mayer. They were there because they wanted to see John Mayer's gift. Hmm. Now think about this. As people establish their gift and work that into a workable skill, listen to me, people will pay you to be yourself. Yeah. Wow. That's what LeBron James has. When he walks on the when he walks on the basketball court with the Lakers, people say, go out there and we're gonna pay you thirty million dollars a year to be yourself. Or when Tiger Woods hits a golf ball, go out there where Nike says we're going to pay you $50 million a year to go be yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, I'm telling you, if people would understand that, they would attack books. They would attack any audio that would sharpen them. They would be seeking out environments that make them better people. But instead, they're too busy chasing money where the reality is they should be chasing change. Hmm. But most people, even though they say they want change, they don't really want change. They want a better environment with no sacrifice. Hmm. And that's called a pipe dream. That just doesn't happen. Now watch this. At that same concert, people were, they were entertained by the music, but they were inspired by John Mayer. Now what created the inspiration was not the gift. It was the discipline that everybody in that room knew that it took to fashion that gift into a workable skill. I was inspired too, no doubt. Hmm. And I left there going, I can be better with what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, every person on this call, every person out there has a gift that is inside of them that solves a problem in this world. 
Well, when it's fashioned into a skill and then you serve that to humanity, trust me, that's where your income is. Hmm. And that's also where your passions and desires are. The world says, go, go seek out your passion. That's nonsense. Passion doesn't happen that way. Passion happens <laughs> after you get a vision. Hmm. Passion is a much later in the game kind of thing. What ends up happening when people hear that statement is they go chase an, chase an interest. Okay, well, bring that to a college kid, right? <laughs> Right. You know, right. with my passion, yeah. my passion is hanging out with my friends and shooting pool and yeah. drinking beverages, if you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Well, that's not a passion. That's an interest. Give me a break. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, people are misguided by statements. And they're statements from people that have knowledge but no wisdom. Hmm. And that's where the danger is. That's where I was talking about before. Even the books that you pick up, do you know that person's worldview? Do you right. know their story? Do you know where they came from? You have to know. So for what it's worth, um, you know, I know we we got to wrap this call up pretty soon here, Nathan, but uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I think the, the thing that is on my mind leaving here, right, like you've shared so much wisdom, so much like great information, and, and it speaks to me. Where do I begin or where someone listening to this call, where do they start if they don't currently feel like they have a clarity around their vision for their life? Like what would be some practical, tactical steps to take leaving this call well i you know when it to me this is where vision vision kind of begins i mean we already talked about that it's birthed out of identity and purpose right yep. but what sets you on a course of action and we'll talk really quickly about the process of that vision coming to pass and understanding your gift we can do all this in less than 10 minutes okay so i guarantee that everybody on this phone you have something you're already interested in whether it's something where you look at it and it's a problem in your life and it's caused you a lot of pain, or maybe it's caused a family member of yours a lot of pain, or there's something that has truly inspired you to want to be a better person and you want other people to experience that. Like, for example, for my wife and I, what caused us a lot of pain was living in fear, living in distrust, and having money problems. And so we went to work on learning principles to fix that. And we went to work on our personal day-to-day habits that were creating issues. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You know, I and I'll just I'll just kind of speak to speak to this for a minute. I, I believe in what what is what I call the principle of management. Whatever you manage well will be multiplied, and whatever you mismanage, you'll lose it. So, for example, when I look at somebody who's in a leadership environment, which is all about relationships, right, Nathan? And if they want to have an opportunity to lead more people, that their marriage is a train wreck, they'll be a successful leader. Hmm. Because if you can't manage the relationship within your marriage, how are you going to help other people? Hmm. And look at people that I've got a desire out there to help people be more fit so that their body doesn't break down, but yet your diet is terrible. Right. Well, you're, you're gutting your credibility based on mismanagement. And I don't believe that your influence is going to be multiplied if you can't manage that principle yourself. Mm. Or the same thing with finances. My wife and I had to look at our financial picture and go, yes, we want our, our, our money picture to get better. But we're abusing our money in so many ways. When we didn't have money, we were still using Netflix. We still had cable TV. We were still getting lattes and eating out when, you know, pretty much whenever we wanted to at the, at the expense of not being able to pay our bills on time. Mm. And so a lot of folks, they again, Try to take action before they look within their home. Again, the culture of your home is huge. Hmm. friends. If you want to change the world, you first have to change your state or your country. 
If you want to change your country, you got to change your state. If you want to change your state, you got to change your city. And if you want to change your city, you better start with your community. And if you want to change your community, it starts with your block that you live on. And if you want to change your block, you better change the culture of your home. Mm. If you don't change the culture of your home, that's all the world really is. It's a whole bunch of it's a whole bunch of people's cultures within their home all brought together in a pile, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, each one of those cultures have issues. But within that problem is the diamond, is the gem. Mm. But again, people spend their lives avoiding change. Think about this, Nathan, and we'll, just two more thoughts and we'll wrap this up. When you look at seasons, you know, right now we're in winter in Minneapolis, right? and yep. we know that spring is coming. And frankly, Spring is actually my least favorite season because the weather doesn't know what it wants to do. <laughs> Sometimes it snows in May, and people in Minnesota are really unhappy because there's hope, and then all of a sudden it's taken away, right? Yeah. So it's 50 degrees one day and snowing the next day, and it's sloppy, it's ugly, the grass is gross, there's mud everywhere, and everything that was hidden in the wintertime is exposed. You know, my favorite time of the year is summertime, and I love fall as well. Summer and fall are my two favorite seasons. Winter's okay. I can tolerate it. Spring is my least favorite. And here's the thing. Most people want to go right from winter directly to summer. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to go through spring where everything under the layer of what everybody sees is now exposed. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with it. That's what most people are trying to avoid is that. Mm-hmm. So here's how change happens. And here's how a vision is birthed very quickly. I want you to picture an apple tree. So if I take the seed of an apple tree, most people don't know what the, that, that seed is actually a tree. They don't know that. And if I want to grow that tree, I have to dig a hole first. And so the seed has to go down before it's going to go up. And i got to put it in the hole. And it's going to be alone. So you're isolated. You're alone. This is what happens after you make a decision to improve your life. Some of your friends are going to go, oh, sorry, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, which is different than you. I don't want to spend time with you anymore. And you find out that the word friend is, is loosely used in our country today. Mm. A friend is somebody who's always going to support support your vision, and they will tell you the truth if you're going to go off a cliff, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. Okay, so now, so you you make that decision, that it goes in the hole, and all of a sudden a bunch of dirt is packed on top of you, so you feel nothing but pressure, and you don't like it. You're isolated, it's dark, you feel nothing but pressure, and then all of a sudden there's water and fertilizer put on top of you, so it's like the whole world stinks. Right. Hmm. It's kind of like if the plant would talk to the dirt, here's what it would say. Stop holding me down. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But you pull it out of the dirt and it dies because source always provides resources. Oh, okay. So now, so we, we put that water and that fertilizer on that seed. And the only way that that seed gets out of the hole, Nathan, is it has to decide to change. Hmm. If it does not change, there's no getting out of the hole. It has to change. Most people don't like the way that feels. And so now you burrow yourself through that dirt. You have to do it on your own. And as soon as you crest that surface, that's when you see the vision for the first time. Because change has already happened. What started as a problem now becomes a vision. But it becomes a vision after you change. Hmm. And what happens now is now that seed has become a plant, but it's still got to grow. Got to be in the right environment. Still needs water. Still needs nutrients. It turns into a tree, and before that tree is going to produce more fruit, it has to be pruned. Now, here's the thing: this is kind of an unrecognizable series that I'm talking about right now. There's not a whole lot of pats on the back or recognition while this is happening. Why? People don't know what you're doing yet. 
kind of mm. like the apple tree. Until the tree produces fruit, people don't know what it is. Mm. And here's the kicker about the fruit that you produce. It isn't for you. It's for other people. Just like the apple is not for the tree. It's for others. But at the end of the day, that tree started as a seed, which was isolated after a decision to become a tree. Had to have the dirt thrown on top of it, and it had to decide to change, or it wasn't going to get out of the hole. And that's where most people are at. So most visions begin with, what kind of problems do I see out there in the world that that I need to go fix? It's like Mother Teresa, right? Mm. When she started as a teacher, and she talked to the person who was in charge of the school, and she said, there's all these people outside that are hungry. I can't walk by them and not help them anymore. And the teacher said, there's millions of people. What are you going to do about it? You can't fix that. She said, yes, I can. I'm going to start with that person right there. And she started by trying to fix the problem. That's exactly what Nelson Mandela did. That's exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. did. That's exactly what JFK did. Winston Churchill. I could go down the line. Down the line. So at the end of the day, what starts with something that's touching your life that's an issue, you take responsibility for it. And as a result of that, you end up changing. And as a result of changing and learning some principles, and you're free from that issue, you now want others to experience what happened to you, and that's when your vision is birthed. I don't know if that makes sense. But that helps. That's yeah. Not Love that, Matt. Thank you so much. And I know uh, we, um, you've you've given a lot of yourself today, a lot of your time. So appreciative for you doing this call. I know I was very persistent about. Uh, doing another one and this was <laughs> tremendously tremendously valuable um and uh and thank you thank you so much for your time really appreciate it happy to do it nathan it was an honor to be able to speak to some of your friends and people that you care about tonight so i'll give you your evening back and folks have an amazing night and listen go chase your vision you, you probably know what it is already but hopefully this gave you one or two things to think about or you can talk with somebody who's an influencer in your life and they can give you some direction. So thank you, Nathan, for your time. I appreciate Wonderful. It. Thanks so much, Matt. Well, there you have it, friends. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you're feeling inspired to live out your vision and your purpose for your life. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love your feedback. Uh, first with what were some of the takeaways or the insights that you heard on the call that were especially impactful for you? Please send those my way. And also, if Matt were to come out with a podcast, would you subscribe? Would you want to listen in? And what type of questions would you have uh, for Matt that you'd want to learn from or hear him uh, unpack at a greater level? So thank you again. Thanks for your time and attention. I appreciate you and make it a great year.